0: Welcome to the latest United podcast where Larry and I can finally, finally discuss Manchester United going to a final. Or can we, are we safe enough saying we have one foot in the final?
1: I think so, mate. Um, It's not even arrogance at this point. Like seriously, if Roma, they'd need to pull out some sort of miracle. Um, I don't see it happening. Wow, what what a performance. Obviously we'll get into it. But it was a great way to start my Friday morning, I tell you.
0: Well it has been a long Friday for the both of us, both of us had quite long days at work so it is good to um, chat a bit about Man United now because some of the performances in recent weeks have been, not lacklustre, but to sort of lack that sort of little bit of excitement but this one, I thought United was quite solid I thought in the first half, I thought they were quite good, however things sort of went from bad to worse straight away after we scored that first goal by Bruno Fernandes mm. and suddenly we were 2-1 down and... Just your thoughts, because I had my own thoughts when we went 2-1 down. I didn't think it was too bad, but what were you thinking? Not only being 2-1 down, but also the performance. Did you think we were in a little bit of trouble?
1: No, I was never nervous, to be honest. Um, And I think that's probably because it's it's really been a constant theme this season, hasn't it? United (laughs) seem to thrive when they go in behind at half-time. But nonetheless, um, no, I didn't think United were too bad. I, I think... Roma are not a bad football side, and credit where credit's due. United took their foot off the break after a very fast start, and I think if you give a good football team an opportunity to put their imprint on the game, they will. Um, I, in my personal opinion, I didn't think the Pogba penalty was a penalty. Um, again, that's just my opinion. Obviously, referees allegedly know more about football than I do, but I didn't think United were too bad all in all, and then the second half showed our quality.
0: Do you think what made it worse, or not what made it worse, um, because obviously the players are the only ones that really count throughout the 90 minutes, but in terms of the reaction online, like, uh, I was on Twitter at halftime, and it, were, it was un- unbelievable. It was all out, yeah, get this player, sack this player, sell this player. And I just think, as you say, the performance, I was never actually worried about the scoreline, but I think what worried most people and the people I was talking to, wasn't so much the performance or the scoreline, it was the idea and the notion of Roma had two away goals. And mm. I thought, well, if you take away the notion of the away goals, yeah, there was no real cause for concern. They, okay, they had a freak penalty where, look, look I, I thought it was a penalty and nothing wrong by Paul Pogba. I just thought, just one of those freak incidents that happened. If that's at the other end of the field, I'm screaming for a penalty. And look, Henrik Mkhitaryan is a player I have always rated quite highly. I thought he played a fantastic little ball in for Roma. And that, they, So the one time they got forward, they carved us open, well done, and a freak penalty. Other mm. than that, I thought United were very, well, not very good, but comfortable in a European semi-final, which usually you're not going to be comfortable in a game like that. And I, again, I just go back to the point where, forget the scoreline, I think what worried so many fans was the notion of Roma having two away goals.
1: I understand that notion, and I'd even go a step further, Tom. I think the panic was... This narrative that Oli and this side cannot qualify beyond the semi-final of any cup competition. So I think there was the mental psyche to say this, this team and this coach cannot get over this hurdle. Um, but look, like we said, what a phenomenal second half. You'd have to say maybe the most exciting second half when you take into the context of, I guess, what's a, a at stake here. Uh, maybe the PSG game rivals it. Um, where Rashford obviously scores that last ditch penalty, but in terms of the the importance of the game, you'd have to say it, it was a very impressive performance under Ollie's, um, under Ollie's management.
0: Well, on the second half, some of the goals when we sort of we got we don't have enough time to go through every single goal, but when you saw some of those goals hit the back of the net in the second half, especially those couple in sort of quick succession, and we'll get into the individuals of Bruno and Cavani in a little bit. Mm. But it's such a shame that's in an empty stadium because if some of those that that Cavani the second goal for Cavani that flew into the top corner could you imagine that flying into the Stretford end in a sort of must win European game I feel look we'll, we'll get into Cavani but I feel so sorry for him because he the, the fans absolutely adore him and I'm not quite sure he understands that the, sort of the relationship the fans do want with him because we, we can see it on the field but I don't I don't know if he sort of really truly appreciates how much. All United fans around
1: the world actually love him. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has made that clear in his press conference um, post-match. He, th- look, I think, and we'll get into the Cavani u- news, but it would really be a shame if he leaves Manchester United without playing in front of the Old Trafford faithful. He would be absolutely adored. Um, and I think the way he's taken to this season, he's, he's now in double digits. Uh, am I right in saying that? He, he's been fantastic. He yeah, be close, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think he is really, particularly the last. I want to say the last month or so, uh, since Martial's been ruled out, United have really just switched to accommodate Cavani and play to his strengths. And we've seen it. We saw it particularly at the Spurs match, and we saw a similar performance today. I thought the Uruguayan was phenomenal. I well, think that was per- his best performance in United shirt, Tom. Yeah. no,
0: look. Oh, he definitely. Uh- Probably the favourite for three points for me, but um, before we got into the Cavani and the sort of the contract situation, which has just sort of broken, just um, sort of fortunately before we started recording, just go back to half time when we were two one down, and we're going to get into praising Cavani, Bruno, Pogba and the like um, in a little bit, but the manager, as you mentioned a few moments ago, in terms of the narratives around, and it's not not so much a narrative, it's fact we haven't been able to get past this semi final, and Solsha hasn't been able to get past this stage of a competition with United 2-1 down at halftime in the European semi-final all eyes were on Solskjaer and again I don't want to go and look okay the fans are saying this so Solskjaer should do it Oh, he should never listen to the fans he needs to make his own mind up but the notion on the idea online was get this player off and put this player on or change this tactic put this player there and that'll happen over here I thought the best thing Solskjaer did at half time was nothing. I thought that was the best thing he did. He could have panicked and said, OK, we're 2-1 down. I need to change things to, to sort of save this tie. However, he was calm and he said, no, this team is playing better football than Roma. The chances will come and we will score goals. And he, he was proven right in the end, I thought.
1: Absolutely. And again, this touches on what we covered in the last podcast. I think for what Oli lacks tactically, like today's performance and even what happened at halftime, there's nothing tactically that United changed. But his ability to lift his team and allow them to believe in themselves and play to their potential, that's the key to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And you know what, Sir Alex Ferguson was never a fantastic tactician. He'll tell you that himself, but he knew his strengths and that was man management. And I think for whatever opportunities or whatever Ole lacks, he more than makes up for the confidence he fills his players with that second half. Dare I, and I think you and I can agree, Jose Mourinho is a better tactician than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You would not dare see a performance like that under Jose, though. So, full credit where it's due to the manager. Again, fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, well, just fitting, just before we go on to the individuals there, just what you mentioned about taxi, tactics and management, especially in regards to Solskjaer. Last night, I had a chat with Lou Macari, which will come out on the podcast. We might put it out in a few weeks when um, maybe we'll get a gap in between the games when there's sort of time when there's no sort of football to be discussed, we'll throw that podcast out. I had a chat with him last night, and it was a fantastic chat, and we sort of got talking about sort of tactics in the games and man management, and he was saying sort of the great managers, whether it be Samat Busby, Jock Stein at Celtics, are we going to Solskjaer now? It is about man management. It's about getting the best out of individuals, and look, Lou McCurry played at a time where the tactical influence on games probably wasn't as heavily relied upon, but he was saying... Which I somewhat agree with. Okay, tactics do play an important part now. Of course they do. But it is so so much down to the individual management of players. You need to be able to get the best out of that individual to make the team tick. Because while football is a team game, it's made up of 11 individuals. So the importance of a manager going into one down at half time in a key European game, the importance of a manager to sort of lift his players, which Solskjaer has done, um, is a trait that, look, tactics are a trait. You, you look at the best managers in the world, Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Jurgen Klopp, they do have this fantastic sort of tactical knowledge, mm. but you can't underestimate the power of sort of the man management people like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have proven to have at Man United. But we will go on to um, Edison Cavani and more just so in regards to his contract situation because just before we have started recording, it has come out from a Spanish journalist who knows if he's reliable or not? He has about 80,000 followers on Twitter, and he is verified, and I think he works for ESPN in Spain. He has said um, Cavani's made the decision to stay for one more season, um, sort of take up that option both he and the club have. And he said there'll be an announcement sometime next week. Now, who knows? Let's let's run with it and say that is true. Um, your first thoughts to the news? Because it wasn't looking likely a couple of weeks ago.
1: No, it wasn't. Um Look, obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled, Tom. And I think after today's performance, it really would have left uh, not a sour note, but there would have been a, an undertone of sadness if Cavani did leave under these circumstances. And from all reports coming out of England, the final two games of the seasons are, are going to have a, a good number of crowds within them. Not 100% capacity, but, you know, a, a, good, a good amount. And I think when Cavani gets a taste of that, I think he'll realise what he's been missing. Um, he, he will be loved and adored and I think once he feels that, he'll be thankful that he's extended, you know, if these reports are true and it looks like it is. I think most English most English press is, is running with this narrative now um, and I think if you look at the improvement we've seen in the likes of Mason Greenwood, um, while his performances haven't been fantastic, the finishing we're seeing from Marcus Rashford, the link-up play today with Pogba and Bruno, um, I think his intelligence, not just... The, what he brings to the side But I think his influence Off the pitch Can't be understated um, So I think All in all This is a really good signing But it, it also speaks To what United Could or could not Now sign In the summer
0: Well just on that point That was going to be My next point Is that Does this move While we are happy With Cavani staying Are you slightly concerned Or is it encouraging Depending on what way You're looking at it Because I look at the Eric Bay Which we haven't even discussed Eric Bay signed a new Contract at Manchester United So that tells me, well, the club are happy with Eric Bay, that means no defender. So then if if I'm going by that notion and I say, well, we have signed Edison Cavani, that means United won't go and sign a striker. And that says if United go and re-sign Paul Pogba, that tells me United aren't going to sign a midfielder. Are you seeing the signing of Edison Cavani potentially stopping a search for a Haaland or a Kane?
1: I don't think so. I think if there is an opportunity to get... That elite striker I think United will still seek to do that Um, But I've said all season And I'm going to stick to this If we keep Cavani I still think there's enough In this United side From a striker's perspective Um, I think we're a better off we'll be a better unit if we can just fill that right-hand side. I think Tony Martial is still a good player. I think if you get Cavani, he's shown this season he can be rotated in and out. He's got a magnificent engine. He can he can play once a week. Um, I think there's options there, Tom. And I think if you get a right-winger, there's an opportunity for Mason with another off-season, his third full season in, in the league, Um, to put a bit of size on in the off-season. You can start sporadically playing him through the middle. I, I don't think getting a, an elite striker is all that important. And... We can have this debate another day. I'm actually starting to get off the Highland hype train. I'm, I'm, I think he's very one-dimensional in the way he plays. So I'm, I'm more than happy with the Cavani signing, to be honest.
0: Well, moving on to, um, well, not so much Highland, but a, a, another Raiola client, where the conversation. Look, look, we have this debate every every couple of weeks, and we might as well sort of have the next instalment of it now in regards to Paul Pogba and. I don't know how many times we've flipped and flopped this season when Pogba or Raiola has made a comment and said, "Okay, I don't want to see Paul Pogba in a shirt, get rid of him. Then he throws in a good performance and you say, oh, hang on, he's he's that good, we might as well keep him. At the time being, Raiola's quiet, Pogba's quiet, Solskjaer is very praiseworthy of Pogba. Pogba is putting in very good performances. And suddenly you're looking at the Man United team, whether the midfield or the whole team in general, and it's a clear indication we need Paul Pogba. When he's playing like this, it would be a nightmare if we got rid of him. An absolute nightmare if we got rid of him.
1: I think he's staying. I really do. Where's he going? Where, where's well, he going? Like realistically, well,
0: well, uh, I think yeah, I think his options that that could be one of the key factors in him staying at United. But forget his options. Can Juventus afford him? Can Real Madrid afford him? Can you see something at Man United now? Look, with sort of reports have come out that Bruno Fernandes. Is potentially if he's going to enter contract negotiations, it's going to a big part of that is going to be well. Are you going to keep players like Paul Pogba, who he obviously has a very strong relationship with? Mm. So, can you see something from Paul Pogba's point of view? Forget his other options. Is the option of Manchester United still an attractive one for Paul Pogba at the
1: moment? Ah, uh, undoubtedly. If when well, we've basically got a foot in to the Europa League final, and I think if we can win a trophy, finish second. We're closer than ever. We're, we're, we're closer than ever since Sir Alex has left. And I think if we can just get the players we've mentioned, and look, I know, I think if you talk to 95% of United supporters, they'll tell you United need a central defender, a deep lying playmaker, a right winger, and ideally a striker. I don't think we're going to get all four of those positions, given, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the Baye and Cavani signing. But even if you got an elite right winger and a deep lying playmaker, with what we've achieved this season Surely this side can push on for the title You keep Paul Pogba in that It's he, I don't see much better options for him Like If you look at Real Madrid, Tom From Pogba's perspective If the issue is, I can't win titles at United You look at the way we're about to finish the season If we achieve those outcomes Then you look at Real Madrid There's a massive rebuild there That side's not ready to win the Champions League It's a very ageing squad you look at Juventus, I don't think they're going to afford him. So you look at all those options. I think his best chance for success is actually Manchester United.
0: Yeah, no, look, when you break it, it's 100%, 100% agree with you. It's just there's something about it where I'm all He's playing the... happy
1: too. Like, you can't play
0: that way if you're not happy. But I'm all I... aboard this Pogba hype and I'm fully behind it. And look, we've made no secret. We're both big fans of Paul Pogba. But there is something where I can just see the, the week after the season... I can see both him and Rayola leaking something or saying something. And then we're going to go back to where we were six months ago saying we don't want to see him in a Man United shirt again.
1: United are also putting a lot of social media around Pogba lately. Yeah. I don't know if you're picking up on that. Um, I, I don't think that's a coincidence.
0: Oh, yeah, no, definitely you see that. Yeah, there was a big, um, yeah, you probably started about six weeks ago. There was a big push on social media. And um, Paul Pogba's also been a lot more active as well on his Instagram and Twitter. And look, who knows what that means? Absolutely no idea. But um, look, there might be something in it. And look, definitely not the last of the Paul Pogba discussion, but it is interesting. Now, just on to the last one of that, um, it's almost that United Trinity, Cavani, Pogba, and now Bruno Fernandes. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I think Bruno has been good. However, his best attribute since he arrived was his goals and assists and his those sort of goal contributions. Now, while I think his performances in recent weeks have been quite good, and even in my opinion, probably somewhat improved overall, mm. he's probably lacked that goal contribution. Um, he was back in the thick of it today, and one, look, we've said Cavani, his best performance in the United shirt, I would be going close. Maybe I'd have to go back and look at some highlights, but it was probably one of my favourite Bruno performances.
1: Oh, yeah, I have to agree there. I think Cavani's just stolen the spotlight for obvious reasons. But, yeah, the Portuguese. Honestly, what a player. I love this tweet, by the way. I don't know if you saw his tweet after the game. But he basically put tongue-in-cheek into all those flaky Manchester United fans. And he said, I hope you didn't switch off at half-time. Yeah, Bruno was unreal today, Tom. And I just... The prospect of a... Pogba-Bruno midfield with, if you can get that just that elite deep-lying playmaker behind them too and play them in a three-man midfield. The, the prospect is, it's mouth-watering and it's frightening. And I really, I hope it happens. I don't want to set expectations and I don't want to defer away from this game. But it's exciting to think what a world-class midfield we could have. But yeah, Bruno was unreal. What, what did he finish with? An assist, two goals? I was, was watching like, the highlights. Yeah. It
0: looked like he had... 15 assists and 4 goals, it's amazing we only it won 6-2. Like when I was watching the highlights, it was goal, assist, goal, goal, assist, and I was thinking, surely this is more than
1: 6 goals. Yeah, it did feel like that. Um, but yeah, I, I really... It's, it's a weird one with Bruno, isn't it? I think if you put... It just shows, and I'm just trying to think back to the game midweek, where we obviously played out the nil-all draw against Leeds. I think when you put a good striker in front of him, it just shows what he can do. Um, he obviously struggles when, you know, he doesn't... I think with Cavani, and, and you're seeing that. In fact, if you think back to the Spurs game, Bruno was really good in that match as well. Maybe the Cavani factor, playing with that elite number nine, is giving him that touch or that, that little bit of a second more to make a decision that he probably wasn't getting uh, when, say, a Rashford's playing up front. So I think there's something to be said in that as well.
0: Well, just before we move on to 3-2-1s, and I definitely don't want to throw a negative onto this podcast a negative onto the performance but the negative that did come out of it especially online and the reaction to sort of individual performances were the two midfielders in McTominay and Fred and look we've had this discussion and the McFred and everything we've we've sort of done it to death however my big concern at the start of the season and even sort of when they got going was Ken Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes playing the same team together especially in a big game now look to find a big game look for me European semi-final okay Roma weren't fantastic but it's still, it's a big game in a European semi-final. Mm-hmm. And Pogba and Bruno obviously showed they can play together. Now, I think the main reason they could was the reason everyone, or sort of the what everyone was criticising, was those two sitting midfielders. Now, yes, McTominay and Fred didn't have a good game in the way we want to see Manchester United midfielders play. However, I think those two sitting there and just doing the job Solskjaer defensively wanted from them Allowed Pogba and Bruno to play. If you only had one of McTominay or one of or, or Fred sit in there by themselves, and Pogba and Bruno sit in or just in front of that one central defensive midfielder, I don't think that is where I have my concern with Pogba and Bruno playing together. But if you have two sit in midfielders, which a lot of fans don't like, but if you have two sit in midfielders there, that is when you can accommodate both Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes.
1: I take your point, but I again, I think it comes back down to if you can get a deep-lying playmaker who can allow United to really... You, you've seen the transition in our attack this year compared to last year. I think last season, United were a side that soaked up pressure and hit teams on the counter. I think you've seen that transition this season where there's been a greater emphasis on playing possession from out the back. And I think if you can get a deep-lying playmaker, while they won't provide that defensive security... It means United can be more possession based and keep the have a better ball retention style, and I think if you can do that, then you can play with a Pogba Bruno midfield. Because if you look at Manchester City, Tom, we saw at the at the peak of their powers uh, with Guardiola, you had a uh, Silva and De Bruyne playing as two eights, and then you had like a Fernandinho sitting in behind. Now I don't know about you, but Silva and De Bruyne are less defensively, less defensive than a Pogba-Bruno midfield. So I think it, there's a case to say if you can get a good deep-lying playmaker behind them, I think it definitely can work.
0: Oh, no, look, that's definitely a point. You're, you're 100% correct. However, I think the insurance and the safety Manchester City had there and still have to, to this day, That okay, they do have that sort su- of attacking freedom in that middle area of the pitch, but they've got the stability of good central defenders and a good back four. Now, look, our back four has performed quite well this season, but there's no doubt in if we want to reach that elite level, not a a Europa League semi-final, but a Champions League semi-final, we do need a a stronger centre-back pairing, and that's what I think City have this season, where if they do turn the ball over cheaply in midfield, they're quite comfortable at the back, where if we turn the ball over and we have a striker running at Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, we're thinking, oh, God, how's this going to turn out? Where City are a lot more confident at the moment, but... um. Look, we will get into the defensive um, discussion in a podcast or two. I'm sure there'll be the one of the links was Pal Torres. There's been a little bit of news overnight that United have maybe stepped up interest, and I'm sure if Villarreal beat Arsenal in the semi final, um, that rumour will only heaten up. But we'll go to um, three two ones, quick ones. I'm sure it's between those three players, unless you want to throw any wild shots in there. But um, I'll throw the floor to you for three points.
1: David De Gea. Nah, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, it's Edison Cavani, isn't it? I uh, th- He was clearly the catalyst today. Two goals and assists. He-, he was everywhere. I think you could make an argument for Bruno, and-, and I don't think you'd be wrong in your assessment. You're splitting hairs between them, but Cavani's performance. Whew, you- you'd-, you'd be a tough judge not giving him three points. He was unreal.
0: Yeah, no, look, no arguments from really. I think it's pretty easy, three points for Cavani. And then, as you say... I think Bruno's unlucky not to get the three, so I'd definitely settle for um, Bruno Fernandes for two, and that leaves Paul Pogba for one. Unless there's anyone worthy of a little bit of note for one point?
1: No, I think it was a clear cut. Um, I think those three were by far the best three players on the pitch. It was a very clear, dominant performance by all three, so I think we've got it spot on. We'll,
0: we'll quickly go on to the 3 two ones, and Vin has gone Cavani, Bruno, Pogba... George has thrown a little bit of a shout there. He's gone Cavani, Bruno, and Luke Shaw. And look, Luke Shaw was good. Um, Stephen has gone three points to Cavani, one for Bruno, but he's given his two points from Solskjaer for that halftime team talk. <sighs> Emma has gone Bruno, Cavani, and thrown Fred in there. Um, oh Fred no,
1: was, I can't. I
0: can't agree with Fred. Uh, I thought Fred was much better than McTominay. And um, look, I, That's I'm usually fair. the other. Usually on the other way, saying McTominay was better than Fred, but I thought Fred. In regards to what I was saying about giving Bruno and Pogba that licence to go forward, I thought the times they did turn over the ball, which they did turn over the ball quite a bit, but you yeah, sort of allow them to. I thought Fred defensively did his job quite well. Attacking obviously left a lot to be desired. But um I thought that was one game where Fred sort of um, sort of stepped up in but Not McComine's absence, but um sort of filled the void a little bit. Elliot has gone Bruno three, Cavani two and Pogba for one. And Rob has also gone. Bruno Cavani and Pogba, and last one was Jamie from Ireland. Um, follows us on Twitter, same as usual. Bruni, uh, Bruni, Bruno Cavani and what a Paul player Pogba. that guy is. Bruni, the yeah, nah. yeah, new Italian signing. But um, <laughs> before the Liverpool match, um, interesting. Um, we saw the Glazers out protest at Old Trafford um, the other week or, or last week, and it was a weird one because. My personal opinion off the bat was when it was announced, I thought it was going to be like the one two years ago before United arrived in Australia, where it was just, just noise on Twitter and it would eventuate in 30 or 40 people outside Old Trafford. But this one did have a little bit of weight behind it, and from all reports, there may be about two or 3,000 people there, which was a fantastic turnout for something that pretty much was not planned. However, there is a planned one this time um, at Old Trafford just before the Liverpool match, which... Um, is gaining a lot of momentum, Um, not just this protest, but the whole Glazers Out movement is gaining momentum. Um, Just your thoughts on, one, the protest last week and how everything is shaping up in regards to the campaign against the Glazers and this protest on Sunday?
1: I'll support anything that gets the Glazers out. I I think we need to be a bit more sensible about this I think there's a lot of emotion going into it Which I understand and I'm with you But you need a buyer If you're gonna rally for these owners to get out Okay, so like, okay, we protest Joel and Avram say, alright, cool, let's sell Who, Who's lining up 4 billion for these guys? Like, we, we need a buyer Like, at least in Arsenal's case The um, S- Spotify CEO is coming out and saying Yep, I've got my bid ready I've made friends with Terry Henry. I've got the backing of the funds Let's go Where's, where's the backer for Manchester United? Who's buying this club?
0: Do you wow. think one of the things that might sort of United can maybe sort of focus their energy more towards instead... Of, yeah, because we can say whatever we want as fans, we can put whatever pressure... yes yeah, so you're completely right. It comes down, well, does someone have the cash? Which is completely out of our control and is one person's decision and the Glazers' decision to sell. That, that is completely out of our control. However, in terms of... A big part of this protest, not just from a United point of view, but from other clubs in terms of their battles with their owners or their board members, is this 50-plus-1 model. And there is a petition um, running in the UK which are about about to hit 100,000 signatures, which will mean it will be discussed in Parliament. Do you think... And this sort of 50-plus-1 model will be sort of heavily present at the Glazers out protest. Do you think that is something more where, okay, the Glazers can sort of maintain ownership of the club but it could be directed in more of a, well, fans will have a say on the board and maybe sort of a more influence to sort of voting rights at board level rather than just a complete sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, a dictatorship, which the Glazers currently have.
1: I think it would stop things like the Super League happening. Um, but ultimately, that's what 50-plus-one would achieve. I think it'll give some sort of voice back to the fans um, but I think we're a long way off that even happening. I mean, if it's, if it's going to be discussed in Parliament, you know, if you're talking about votes, um, getting approval for it, I, I imagine that this thing, like even if it was to come to fruition, I'd imagine it's at least 18 months off. So I think United solution out of this is to find a buyer or buyers who believe in the 50 plus one. And if you can get that, then I think you can work towards that sort of model. But if you don't get that, I think you're gonna have a hard time getting. Well, I think I think I think you're gonna have a hard time getting the legislation through. To be honest, but taking that out of account, I think the only way to achieve this fifty plus one is to get these buyers or find buyers who are who believe in that model.
0: Yeah. No. Look, it will be interesting, and look, urge everyone if, you, if they are at Old Trafford. Um, on Sunday, it'd be would be fascinating to watch. Now, the fascinating thing will be, is a lot of the well, all the Premier League clubs have started. But probably by the time you're listening to this, sort of a social media boycott. So there'll be so much um sort of happening in, in around the Premier League grounds this week, especially Man United and Old Trafford. But it'll be interesting to see how it's reported because so many of these big accounts, whether it be Sky Sports or the Premier League account or even the official Man United account. They're not going to be tweeting, so God knows how we're going to get our team news an hour before kickoff. But um, your thoughts on that? In terms of the reason, if anyone doesn't know, the reason these big clubs are boycotting social media from Friday to Monday in the UK time is almost a stance and almost almost a mini protest against social media companies in sort of the sort of their lack of sort of authority and the, their lack of involvement and sort of the way they haven't gone about dealing with racism online. Um, which is uh, which I think is fine. It's good. However, in my personal opinion, I don't think this will achieve anything. I think going silent won't achieve anything. I think you need to be sort of louder in a in a case like this.
1: Yeah, I don't agree with it. I, I get the whole narrative behind it. I, I personally, I just think it's a publicity stunt. I think mm. someone, some CEOs, throwing this idea out there. And then everyone else goes, yep, we're on board. I, I don't agree with that, Tom. I, I think it's just... I, I really just think it's a PR grab.
0: Yeah, well, definitely. I'm not going to be sort of finding some new football apps to find this team news an hour before kickoff. If Man United aren't going to tweet it, um, who knows um, how we will go about that. But on that Liverpool match, quickly before we wrap up the podcast, this is a weird one now. Now, the scary thing is for me going into this Liverpool match, forget the Roma, forget rotations and anything... Is it Crystal Palace? Oh, sorry, if Manchester City beat Crystal Palace on the Saturday, if we lose, which look, Liverpool are a good team. Liverpool could, you could see a situation where they beat us. City win the league. Now, look, we have all sat, we all sit here and say we've accepted Manchester City have won the league. However, I don't want to be in a position where we lose to Liverpool and that gives Manchester City the title. That's almost, almost as bad as it gets. So it's an important game because we well, I think we pretty much will rest players in Rome. I can't see he's going full strength in Rome. However, it's a weird one. I don't know how to balance these two, this sort of seven or eight days coming up, but it's a weird one. How are you seeing it? Are you rotating against Liverpool? Are you going full strength? Are you going full strength in Rome? Are you going a rotated side in Rome?
1: I think it'll be rotated for both. I think he'll play the likes of Bruno, Rashford and co for the Liverpool match because... That game deserves that sort of respect, um, but I think you'll see a rotated side in, in that second leg against Roma, and we should do, I mean, we're four goals ahead, I know we're away from home, but geez, I think I think you. that's a game, like, if, if Van de Beek, for example, doesn't start against Roma and Bruno's on the bench, like, seriously, you'd be questioning Oli at that point. I think the Europa League game's more or less in the bag. That'll just be about game management. I'd like to see Nemanja Matic start that game. So, with that being said, I think you go full strength for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, look, I think you, the word you there, use there is sort of this game deserves respect. And I think that is the case. We can look, I think an hour before kickoff against Roma, I'll be very nervous thinking, oh my God, could you, what if Roma score in the first 10 minutes and then suddenly Roma 2 0 up at half time? Which is a situation which could arise. Then you're thinking, "Oh my God, two 0 down at half time! Like it would just be chaos." And I'm sure I'll have that feeling before the match. But yes, we are four four nil up or have a four goal advantage. So I think we do have to go into that game um, quite comfortable and quite relaxed, where we can play. I wouldn't even say weakened team. A lot of people would have Donny Van der Beek in our strongest eleven, for example. But what it does allow, it allows us to go full strength against Liverpool which one is important because it's against Liverpool, but obviously two is very important because if we lose, Manchester City win the league on our watch, which obviously none of us want to happen. So very big Mate, game. you I want thought...
1: you want a social media protest. Liverpool fans won't shut up if that happens. Please, save us all.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it might be a blessing in disguise. But um, yeah, it is unfortunately a Monday morning kickoff um, for us here in Sydney. But if we do make a Europa League final, um, that's 4am or 4 or 5am on a Thursday morning, which I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners here in Australia will be aiming to get that day off work, but um, yeah, look, fingers crossed. We are, have, we do have one foot in the final, maybe two foot, maybe two feet in an arm. Um, I'm still a little bit nervous, but that maybe that's just the pessimistic side of any Manchester United fan. But um, it has been a long day, Larry, but um, it was a pleasure to chat to you and a pleasure to chat to you about a six-two win in a European semi-final. Um, I could do a podcast like this uh, more often.
1: Hopefully against Liverpool, mate, six two. Let's do it again. Well, here's one for you.
0: Europa League final. We're so buzzing about this Man United victory, and rightly so. Arsenal had an absolute shambles in Villarreal. Look, and they're still in the tie. They could still go through. Who look? We'll, we'll have this debate, and we'll know the answer this time next week. Who would you rather? In terms of the build up, and also the build up to the match, but also the ninety minutes. Who would you prefer a Europa League final against Villarreal Oh, give me Arsenal? Arsenal.
1: Please, it has to be Arsenal. But don't, isn't that sort just it a bit too
0: nervy? Isn't that just too nervy, that one? Nah, just, just in case nah. case pull your socks up. Get it done.
1: Nah, I'll be cheering for Arsenal, mate. I, I want to see it. I want to see... Yeah, but you know what? That's what you would live for as a football fan. You, you want the ecstasy of the, the feeling, should we beat them? What if we don't, though? Well, no. We'll win. It's Arsenal.
0: Yeah, we've been saying that since Solskjaer and Arteta's both got the jobs. We're saying, oh, it's only Arsenal and Arteta's beaten him every time, pretty much.
1: Not really. have we, have we played out... Oh, all right, the game at Old Trafford this season, I think United are a much different side. Oh, and then yeah, the, nah,
0: look, of course, yes. But, yeah. but the fact is, Solskjaer hasn't beaten him. And look, if there's one time he is going to beat him, it probably isn't a final, which, again, I agree with you would be fantastic. I just don't know if my heart can take the build-up. The, the nerves would be insane.
1: All right, mate. Well, do your best not to die, um, and um, I'll, I'll be there living it up when we beat Arsenal.
0: All right. Well, fingers crossed we can both be here for that chat, and um, it's not just a solo podcast, on Larry's podcast. But um, until then, hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast and is shaped up for a very good weekend against Liverpool. So make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app and following us on all the social medias, and um, we'll keep you updated when we're about to sort of upload that Lou Macari podcast, because. Um, that was an honour to chat to him. He's a very good guy and it um, was very honest with his thoughts and um, yeah, very accommodating with his time. It was a great chat. So hopefully everyone is looking forward to that and we will chat to you on Monday with myself and Larry, hopefully discussing um, denying Liverpool a chance at European football next year.
1: Fingers crossed, mate. Chat then.
0: Chat to you.